Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. I think I got them all. So let's do this. Let's go to Hebrews, and we'll continue in part uh, uh, six here in our series entitled Ministering Spirits. Um, And uh, uh, the previous messages are available on the website if you have... Uh, not been able to uh, be with us through all of them, so you can catch up there. Uh, this evening, I want to review just a little bit from the last week concerning Jacob's ladder, and then finish up by talking about the fact that angels respond to the Word of God, and what I'm going to entitle our new covenant authority in Christ. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 has kind of been our go-to scripture on this, and uh, let's be believing God as we, as we learn from the word. But it says this, verse 13, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And we talked about this. We talked about the fact um, of why it is important to understand the subject of angels. And one of the main reasons is we don't want to be uh, deceived by spectacular manifestations that happen uh, in the church. And by in the church, I don't just mean in this, you know, in this building. I mean you individually uh, and in your own lives. Um, How many have had some sort of experience that was considered spectacular in your life or supernatural to where, you know, it's outside the realm of your normal day-to-day uh, uh, most believers that I know have, and if you haven't, it is no sign of anything, okay? It just means you haven't is all it is. Um, it's not a sign that you're less spiritual or any of that. Um, it just is. Um, it just means you haven't had that experience yet. Um, and some people, you know, I've heard of great ministers that have traveled the world and had amazing things happen, and people have sat in their services and seen angels, and they've never seen an angel. So that's not the... Spirituality is actually walking in love. That's the supreme, is what it is. It's not uh, visions and dreams and those things. I am for them, but it's just not the mark of true spirituality. In fact, the most carnal church in the scriptures uh, was, had the most manifestations of gifts. The Corinthians. They were so spiritual, they were getting drunk at communion. And they had more tongues than any other church in that time. And more gifts of the Spirit in operation. So the gifts of the Spirit are no sign of anything. Any carnal jack can flow in them. Spirituality has to do with... Uh, true spirituality and spiritual maturity has to do with character more than it does gifts of the Spirit. So it is important to understand this subject as well because we don't want to be ignorant of a significant part of the unseen or spiritual realm and a part of our new covenant. And it was in the old covenant as well, but our new covenant ministry with the Lord. It is important to understand so that we are able to help others in keeping balance biblically with angels. The most important thing about spectacular manifestations, remember we talked about this, is not what you see, but rather what is being said. Does it line up with the word of God? So uh, we talked about this, and I don't want to go here. I'm just going to review this, but, and I'm going to read it. But in John 1, we talked about where Jesus spoke to Philip and to Nathaniel. And I'm just going to read this and, and walk through this. So you don't, if you just want to listen, you don't have to turn there. But John 1, says this, following, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Apparently Nazareth did not have a good reputation. Uh, Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Uh, You are the King of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? And then verse 51 is what we wanted to get to. And it says, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And we talked about the fact that what it means for heaven to be open and the idea of openness. We looked at John 10, 7 uh, because Jesus opened heaven to us. And we looked at John 10, 7, which says, Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 8, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door, and I thought this was so interesting of what the Lord said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In other words, in the Lord and out, not, not that you leave the Lord, but it gives you access into heaven. That you have the kingdom of heaven is not only do you get in when you go, but it's in you now. Both. And you travel in and out. And people sometimes wonder, they think, well, how, you know, is this something? You, you can't think of it in terms of naturally. It's a spiritual reality. When you get, when you get revelation from the word of God, you're in that kingdom. And you bring it to this natural world. You're, we'll, we'll look at it in a little bit, but you're actually seated in two places. On the earth and in heaven right now. Uh, You actually have two positions that you're in right now. Um, And so we also saw in Hebrews 4.14 where it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. You are invited to come boldly, okay? And not just, he's saying, come to the throne of grace, okay? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We saw also in Matthew 3, verse 16, when uh, talking about John the Baptist, when Jesus was baptized, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the, uh, the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now I know, uh, and it, it is represented here that the Holy Spirit is like a dove. How many are familiar with Benny Hinn's ministry logo? It's the dove in the world. Um, but the Holy Spirit's not actually a dove. How many know that? <laughs> he's a person, okay? Uh, he's the third person of the Godhead. So, And it says this, He saw the Spirit of God descending from heaven like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly, verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then we also saw in Acts chapter 10 about an open heaven there as well. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. 
The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. See, he was very spiritual. <laughs> he wanted to eat. But while they made ready for him to eat, in other words, he, he went and he said, hey, guys, make me something to eat. I'm hungry, you know. So in the middle of his prayer, he got hungry. It says this, he fell into a trance. It's interesting he uses that word, fell. I find that interesting. In other words, it wasn't like he worked himself into one. In other words, so if he was hungry, my guess is he was probably fasting a meal maybe or fasting for a period to pray, but he wasn't fasting trying to have a trance. This is something that we got to be aware of because how many know like in, in different cultures, um, you know, around here obviously be Native American culture, but there are other cultures as well where they will fast themselves into an experience. We have to be careful as believers that we don't try to do that. Yeah. I'm serious because there is, it's, it's, it's actually, it's almost like with the way sometimes I hear spiritual experiences taught and stuff, it's almost like the, the minister will, will preach in such a way that if you do these seven things, you'll have a vision. You can't do that. The, the gifts of the Spirit are as the Spirit wills. We make ourselves available to God and He decides the manifestation when it comes to those type of things. You've got to be careful about that um, because how many know the enemy's working in the planet too? Okay, so he fell into a trance. In other words, I don't think he knew it was going to happen. <laughs> you know, have you ever tripped on something and we're like, man, I knew that was going to happen you know, fall and <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't, no, you don't know. It's something that, that just came. And he, he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And so we see there that, uh, uh, that there was an open heaven and that something came down to him from heaven. Um, and we know that Jesus is the one that opened the door for these things. Now, these things did happen in the Old Testament. But again, all of this surrounds around covenant. And the original covenant that was made not only with, in, in the garden with Adam, but then the, the, by grace through faith as we know it with Abraham, that is the covenant with Christ. It is the covenant of Christ. It's that whole process is the covenant. The law, listen to me, the law is not the covenant. Okay, the law was a part, the law basically was set in place to curb sin. That's what it was set in place. It was boundaries because people were not what? They were not born again. In other words, they're spiritually dead inside. How many of you know it's not odd for a spiritually dead person to sin? It's not odd. You know, and sometimes people get upset. Those sinners are acting like sinners. That's like saying an apple tree produced an apple. It makes sense. It's logical in that sense, okay? So we need to be aware of that. So that's why the law was given. It was given to curb sin. It was rules and guidelines because the Holy Spirit was not in the heart of the people yet to be able to convict and convince them of the right thing to do, okay? So um, that's just something on a side note there. But the Lord opened up heaven to us. And so we saw that angels, we saw in verse 51 in John 151 again, just as a recap, angels of God, the angels of God are ascending and descending, and they are ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right, so Genesis chapter 28, if you want to go there. 
and I'm going over the, I got my notes. I have it written in there. Quick review, quick review. Don't teach on this. <laughs> I get into looking at it and all this utterance comes to say stuff and I'm like, ah, I got to say it. But I've already said it once. So if you want to hear it, you got to go back and listen to it again. John, uh, or Genesis chapter 20. Actually, you, I'm sorry. Why don't you go to Genesis 25 first and I'm going to read a commentary on John 1 and Genesis 28. And we talked about this. We ended up here last week. And we talked about the fact that John 1 and Genesis 28, Jacob's ladder and what Jesus refers to in Nathaniel are tied. They're tied together. Okay? So um, this is the commentary on it. It says this, As son of man, Jesus is the living link between heaven and earth. This explains his reference to Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. Jacob, the fugitive, thought he was alone, but God had sent the angels to guard and guide him. This is what I want you to hear. Christ is God's ladder between heaven and earth. No man cometh to the Father but by me, Jesus said in John 14, 6. So Christ is God's ladder between heaven and earth. And I am still talking about angels, okay? I'm still talking about, but Christ is the ladder in which the angels operate on. Because remember, we talked about the characteristics of the angel. They're not terrestrial, they're celestial. And they live, their abode is in heaven. But they function in the earth. There are no unseen housing developments for angels here on the earth. Okay, they live in heaven. They can travel in time. We don't even understand. It's, it's light speed. It's speed beyond what we can comprehend in the natural. They're moving at a rate. It's spirit speed is really what it boils down to. And it's divine uh, spirit speed. And so what it boils down to is, is that Christ is that ladder between the two. And this is what we're going to establish tonight. So Jacob's ladder, Genesis 25, verse 23. All right, I'm just going to give you a little history here so you understand. Genesis 25, 23. This is what the Lord spoke to Rebekah. Okay? Because uh, she, was, she was having a lot of, uh, the, the twins were fighting inside. Of her, I mean, she was having issues, and it was bothering her the contention that she could feel with the kids moving around, and I don't know if they were punching each other or what, but anyway, she was having issues, so she prayed about it, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Isn't that interesting? Not two babies, two nations are in your womb, Okay. I actually, and I cannot prove this, but I want to share this just because it's interesting. And I cannot prove it scripturally, so it's just for you to consider. I heard a man of God say, um, I was listening to him and he was talking about Trump. And he felt like the Holy Spirit had spoken to him. And this is a man who functions in the prophetic. He felt like the Lord had spoken to him and said that Trump actually was not his first choice for the, to be president at this time. But he said his first choice was aborted. See, here's the thing, and so now I can, I can say scripturally that that could happen based on this scripture. Now, do I know that that man heard that from the Lord? I don't know. I can believe it. There's some, you know what I mean? I'm not going to write a book on it, but, but I can see how that would fit, you know what I mean, in, in the context of, because I mean, how, how many, because uh, God plans you before you are ever here. And God's not a, uh, God's not a, uh, uh, he's not like, well, that plan was good enough for, 
for Sean, but he got aborted, so I'm going to give it to Rayson. That's not how God is. God's individual. He's specific. He doesn't carbon copy. He doesn't carbon copy. He doesn't even carbon copy snowflakes. I mean, there's a lot of snowflakes. If it were me, I'd like, just make them all the same. You can't even tell they're different unless they're under a microscope anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, it would be, but not God. God's like, no, I want it individual. I want it specific. Even quote-unquote identical twins are, can be very different in what they do, how they operate, all those things. They can be different in interests and things like that. So it's just amazing to me. But I thought that was kind of interesting in looking at this because two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Um, One people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. And that's God's foreknowledge right there. Do you know that's outside what the covenant would say? Technically, the older should be the one that serves the younger. But God declares, no, it's going to be this way. Talk about foreknowledge. That's why I'm not worried about the coronavirus. Part of the reason. God knew before, we, before the world ever began that we'd be dealing with this now. <laughs> He's an amazing planner. You know what I mean? He's got it under control. <laughs> as long as we're with him, we're in a good place. All right, so we see here from Genesis 25... Um, that Rebecca um, uh, was told what was going to happen, and we'll read about it in Genesis 28, but I'm just going to give you a little overview. You can go over to Genesis 28, and I'm just going to tell you what took place from 25 to 28 <laughs> in, a, in a bullet point. So basically from chapter 25 to 28, um, Esau had taken the birthright, or um, Jacob had taken the birthright from Esau. Actually, the truth of the matter is he didn't take it. Esau was despised the things of God and sold it for a pot of stew, it just for a pot some meat. And how many know this? And people say, well, Jacob tricked him out of it. Well, the Lord allowed Jacob to have it because Esau despised it. If you despise what God's giving to what he's given to you, he'll allow somebody else to have it. He'll actually allow that to be taken and given to somebody else. We saw this in the parable of the talents. Remember the one who buried it. What did the Lord do? He said, you wicked and lazy servant. I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to give it to somebody else. And he'll do that. He'll allow that to happen. Um, It's interesting and just the way the Lord is, I guess. But anyway, at this point, um, he had also received the prayer of blessing from Isaac. Can you imagine? And you guys have read the story. He, he tried to smell like Esau. He put skins on his arms to make him... Apparently, apparently Esau was a hairy bugger, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and Isaac was pretty old at this point, so his physical ability had diminished quite a bit. But to the point that they believed so much in that prayer of blessing that he couldn't repray it. Boy, that's some reverence and some faith right there. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, at this point, uh, uh, basically Jacob was afraid of his brother. Well, Jacob, Rebecca was afraid of Esau for Jacob. And um, near as I can tell, Jacob was a mama's boy and Esau was a daddy's boy. <laughs> if you read through the story, it just kind of appears that way. But anyway, he, he headed to uh, 
Padan Aram to get a wife who was not a Canaanite. That was another thing about Esau. What did Esau do? He took Canaanite wives. Drove his mom nuts. She's like, stay away from the Canaanites. He's like, I'm going to get me Canaanite wife. He got more than one. <laughs> so anyway, that was another thing where, where Esau did not respect the covenant with God. Because Jacob had reverence for the things of God and Esau did not, the birthright was taken from Esau and given to Jacob. Jacob is now in covenant with God. From this understanding, we analyze Jacob's encounter with God at Bethel. Genesis 28, verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba toward, and went toward Haran. Verse 11. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put, his head, put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Verse 12, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. So it's a ladder from heaven, or from earth to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Ladder, we talked about last week, means staircase. Staircase. What does a stair- staircase do? A staircase gives you access from one level to another level. Jesus is the staircase. He's the ladder. We have access into heaven. Why? Because Christ has already passed through. He's the door and he opened it so that we could what? In and out and find pasture, right? So that's where, where are you getting the source of your strength and everything you need? You're getting it from heaven. You're getting it from heaven, okay? And so that's where the angels come from as well. So we see that. We see here uh, a word that is used, ladder, staircase. It connects a lower place to a higher place and vice versa. God has revealed to Jacob and to us through this passage of Scripture a portion of how the covenant between us operates in 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 angelic activity. That's what's being revealed to you here. You see... In these scriptures, how angels are working for you. They're ascending and descending upon the word of God, upon Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is the ladder. So what is happening? Angels are operating out of heaven to earth and back to heaven and and, and back to earth and back to heaven and back. And what are they doing? They're operating within the what? What does Jacob have? Jacob has the covenant. What do you have? The covenant. That's why the angels of heaven, when you declare the promises of God, the the promises of God are what? They are Christ. What does John 1 say? John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became and dwelt among us. So what is happening? If he's the ladder, what's taking place? When you speak the promises of God from a place of faith in your heart, the angels of heaven are working, moving, operating. They're operating around your kids. Come on, I know angels were operating around me and my brother, older brother, when we were growing up. We were fighting black widows in the, in the garage in our house. We slept in the basement. We woke up sometimes with black widows crawling up our legs. (laughs) My dad was very, oh, they'll get over it. (laughs) You know, we had the TV on like the actual uh, TV tray, not on an actual TV stand. You know, my dad was like, let him pull it on himself a couple of times. He won't do it again. 
And I'm not talking about a nice flat screen that's light. You know what I mean? These TVs were this thick, you know? I remember at one time, oh man, I remember our TV was going out and I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't my dad just buy another TV? But he didn't do that. He's got the TV on and open, the back of it open, on, and he's got a screwdriver back there and he's pushing things. And every once in a while you hear, oh, oh, and you, because <laughs> he got shocked. Yeah, he, that one works. <laughs> that was my dad. I learned a lot, like buy a new TV. <laughs> just, just get a different TV or don't have a TV, one or the other. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know why I got off on that. But anyway, so um, um, angels are working on this ladder and Jesus Christ is the ladder, okay, from heaven to earth and vice versa. The larger truth here for us under the new covenant to realize is that the ladder is typical of Jesus Christ Angels ascend and descend on the word of God, which is Christ. Okay, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said. So Jesus is standing at the top of this ladder. Okay. He said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. What is that? That's all covenant talk. What, is, what, is, what, does, Isaac, or what does Jacob understand? He understands covenant is here. This is covenant. So I'm in covenant with God. Why? Because I remember Abraham, Grandpa Abraham, and Dad Isaac talking about what this covenant is, talking about what faith is, talking about what grace is. And in the process of time and hearing these things in the house, Jacob, faith rose in his heart to receive and to desire that. And over time, where Esau was more interested in hunting, or, or he, I guess he was a hunter is what they say, and he, he was more interested in those type of things, he despised that covenant. And so that's why the Lord honored it to, to, to uh, uh, Jacob. And so what is, what is Jacob hearing here? He's not just hearing, it's not just an open vision to him. It is that, and it's amazing. It's a dream. Uh, uh, you know, today they're called night visions, but it's just, it's a dream. And so, um, but he's hearing covenant words. In other words, God's for me is what he's learning. Okay? And that's a huge thing that we can, if we can establish that in our heart, you can make it through anything. If you know God's for you. And so he says, I'm the God of uh, Abraham and Isaac. And the land which you, uh, on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Isn't that interesting? The land, he says, I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants. Verse 14. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Actually, let me go back to this. I want to point this out in verse 13. He said, I'll give it to you and to your descendants. Remember when uh, the last study we were talking about, uh, when we were talking about covenant, we were talking about what true Israel is. True Jewish, true Israel is faith. It's not physical. It's heart. It's spiritual. It's not physical. Now, the, 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 the Jewish people, they're still God's people in that sense. Physically, they still are a part of, you know, they're God's chosen people. But the true Israel is not one outwardly. A Jew is not one outwardly. A Jew is one what? Paul said, inwardly and circumcision is of the heart, not of the flesh. And so if this is a true covenant, according to Romans 9 and 7 and verse 8, and Ephesians 2, and 12, and 13, 
This land that God gave to Jacob is yours and mine, according to the covenant. Now, that's just a legal document. <laughs> now, I don't know how far we could get with that in the natural, in, in natural courts, but in the court of heaven, when Christ returns and he is the judge, guess who gets the land? We do. Why? Because we're in covenant. And what is the covenant? Verse 13, I will give it to your what? Your descendants. Verse 14, watch this. Watch this now. We're going to spread this out even further. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, what? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. All of them. Now, here's the thing. It works. The blessing works for those who receive the seed. The promise. What's the promise? Christ. Because remember, the promise is of Isaac. Why? Because he was born supernaturally. Isaac was the one that was born supernaturally. In other words, it was a supernatural birth. What was Christ's birth? Supernatural. Yeah. So how were you born again? Supernaturally. So the blessing's on you. You have the blessing. Yeah. It's, it's on you. You know, Paul said this. Oh. I see so many things that I got to keep going because the note says keep going. But okay, so I'm going to say this though. Paul said that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Is that word that's used there? What does that mean? The blessing is on you. Tap the blessing. Remember, angels are working on the ladder. Yeah, they're working on the word. So the more you see this, this is why it is so vital to just teach the word. Just teach it, teach it, teach it, read it, look at it. It's why we do one-year Bible reading things. It's not because we need you to do it. Like I'm sitting at home going, I wonder if they're reading. I'm not thinking about it. I know the benefit that it will have in your life because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And faith comes by hearing. So as faith comes, what takes place? Then in your life, you can release that faith. When faith and boldness come into you, it always has a trigger mechanism that operates and, and has a, a reactive uh, thing to where it wants to ignite your tongue. Have you ever been really excited about something? You just got to tell somebody. <laughs> and if you get full of the word, you'll just tell somebody. And then what is it? Remember, faith is voice activated. Speak. Whoever shall say unto this mountain. See that? Okay. So that's good. That's a little sign note there. And it helps with angels. So that's good. Okay, verse uh, number 15. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, 
for I will not leave you until I have done all that I have spoken. Excuse me, to you. Verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Do you know you can, the Lord can be somewhere and you not know it? <laughs> you just need to have it opened up to you. Okay, verse 17, and he was afraid, and you would be too, and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of what? Heaven. And a gate is what? It's a barrier through which people and things pass to an enclosed area. That's what a gate is. You're passing, it's like a door. You go in and out. Who's the gate to heaven for us? Jesus. Yep. And we can go in and out of that place and find pasture. I can find satisfaction and strength in any situation in life. Why? I go eat of his grass. He is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. And he leads me in green, lush green pastures. And I eat there. Amen? That's good stuff, isn't it? Uh, verse 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that, was, that he had put at his head set it as a, up as a pillar and poiled, poured oil on top of it, verse 19. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in, in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, verse, this is verse 21, then the Lord shall be my God, verse 22. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you what? A tenth to you. Okay? So of all that he gave, he'll give a tenth. Now, some people say tithing was under the law. This is long before the law. Okay? So Abraham tithed long before the law as well. Um, I don't argue about that. I just practice it, and it works for me. So you can do what you want. <laughs> okay. Moving on, let's go to Psalm 103. So we saw here Jacob's ladder is Jesus Christ. Jacob's ladder is Jesus Christ. And the angels of God ascend and descend upon the ladder. Psalm 103, verse 1. And we're going to see this. I'm going to read through all of this, but I'm going to really end uh, in the last couple of verses. But this is such a good psalm. It's just powerful. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You notice David tells himself to praise the Lord. And at all times, and, and all that is within me, ble uh, bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. You eat good food. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's good, isn't it? The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's what? Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. So how much mercy do we have access to? Just look up to the heavens. That's a lot. Okay, so you've got a lot to work with. Now, I don't think you should really try to test the limits, but, you know, you've got a lot to work with. So that's good. <laughs> 
All right, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Glory to God. How many know the east never meets the west? That means I'm, I, they're just done. They're gone. Thank you, Lord. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Verse 14. For he who knows our, he, for he knows our frame. Watch this. I love this. This is a mercy statement to me. He remembers that we are dust. In other words, I heard Jesse Duplantis say this one time. The Lord chewed him out for something. He goes, Lord, you don't understand. We're just little people down here. <laughs> this is what Jesse said to the Lord, you know. And, and I thought, that's his scripture right here. He remembers the fact that we're what? We're dust. Is as powerful as these world leaders think they are. They're dust. That quick, they can be gone. Boom. Just like that. That ashes to ashes thing. <laughs> All right? So he knows our frame. What does this say to me? The Lord is merciful to me because he knows my, my flesh and the weakness of my flesh. So he's merciful. Thank you, Lord, for that. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place, what? Remembers it no more. Have you ever read a history book? And there are a few people in there, but you know how many millions and billions have never been talked about? Just like that. Why? But that's just flesh. We're eternal. What is it like in heaven? Ooh. We live on and on and on. We don't have to be remembered here on earth because we have a whole family in heaven. And then we got family, when we get to heaven, we have family here on earth that'll join us. I'm not worried about my dad. He's there. I'm going to go see him. Not tomorrow. I'll be sure I'm good and old and wrinkly. And fight hard all the way. But when I get there, we'll just pick up right where we left off. With no hindrances. Amen? I love it. I love, et- I love the eternal thought. I love the eternal thought. So he says this for the for verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Verse 18. To such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And then he says this in verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who what? Excel in strength, who do his word or commandments, heeding what? The voice. What do angels do? They heed the voice of what? The word. So what do we see here? We see that angels excel in strength. The word excel means to champion, chief. It means giant. It means mighty and strong man. Why would this word be used to describe angels for us? This shows us that angels are empowered with strength for the tasks in the covenant on our behalf. Then what else do we see? We see that they do his word. They are strong to do what? To do his word. Do means to accomplish, to advance, or to bring forth. And then lastly, they heed the voice. So we see that they heed the voice of 
of the word. Heed means to hear intelligently. It also carries the idea of hearing and obeying, which I believe is what we see here. The angels are waiting for the covenant children of God to speak God's covenant promises in their lives so that they, angels, can move in a giant-like strength to manifest the will of God in the earth. In other words, what do we see? We see the fact that the activity of angels in our lives and in every believer's lives rides on the word of God and it is activated through the voice of the believer. So what are angels? They are what? Voice activated. In other words, when you speak the promise in faith, the angels perk up and in the strength that they've been given from the creator, they have ability, boundaries within the covenant to exercise or execute the promise that we are in faith about. Does that make sense? Whether it be protection, healing, uh, deliverance, uh, 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 salvation in the sense of that they can lead people to people to hear the word of God. You think about it. Come on now. Philip the evangelist, what did he run into? An angel. And what did the angel say? You're going over here to do what? Preach to the eunuch. Right? In other words, angels are involved in what? Salvation. We'll look at some of these examples next week when we wrap up. But I want to wrap up tonight with this. Let's go back to Hebrews 1, verse 13. I want to talk about the new covenant authority in angels. And there are two scriptures here that I want us to, to look at. Hebrews 1 verse 13 is where we started. It says this, but to those of the angels, excuse me, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Angels, and this is according to the uh, Bible exposition commentary, are the ministering spirits who serve the Lord seated on the throne. But they also minister to us who are the heirs of salvation through faith in Christ. The angels today are serving us. They serve the church. Okay? Now I want you to look at this. We see here in this verse that angels were not invited to sit at the right hand of God. My question is, who was invited to sit at the right hand of God? Jesus was. But go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. I want you to see this now. Because I don't want you to think, oh, you know, that sounds too whatever. Jesus did what? Now watch this. What's amazing, if you read through Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 23, you'll see it there too. But Ephesians 2, 6 is where the, the main point is made. Paul says this, that Christ raised us up together and made us sit together with him in heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. Do you see that? So then what do we know? What do we know? We know that angels weren't invited to sit there, but you were. So where does that rank you in respect to angels? Higher. Higher. Now, I want to look at a verse that, uh, that I've heard ministers talk about, and I just want to look at it from the... St- I think there's some truth that they're hitting, but I think there's a misunderstanding too there. And it's in Jude. Let's go to Jude. Go to Jude. And while you're turning there, I want to offer this one other thought. 
if we don't have authority over angels, we know we do over fallen angels according to Luke 10, verse 17, right? That we have authority to tread. We know we do over fallen angels, okay? Our authority concerning angels has boundaries within the covenant. So, I don't want to leave the impression that you can just, you know, angels mow the lawn. It's not what we're talking about. You know, people get weird with this stuff. That's not what we're talking about. It would be nice, okay? And I suppose if you needed a miracle, it could happen, okay? But, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about angels respond to you speaking from your position in Christ. What does that mean? They respond to you speaking from the covenant. So whatever you find within the covenant that is yours, that was purchased in Christ, you can speak with authority in the name of Jesus and the angels will hear and in their mighty strength, their giant-like strength, they go to work on your behalf. Okay? So Jude chapter, there's only one chapter, verse 5. But I want to remind you, though, you once, who, you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Really what the Lord did in a better translation of that would be he allowed them to destroy themselves because they chose to rebel. He did everything he could to save them, but they chose to rebel. Verse 6, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Are these Christians? They're not. They're rebels. They're, they're rebellious, they reject authority, they, they speak evil of dignitaries, they, are, they defile the flesh. These are Sodom and Gomorrah, it's homosexuality, it's fornication, it's adultery, it's all these things in addition to other things. <laughs> these are people that left the truth. They walked away. Remember the context of this. What is the beginning? That the Lord delivered the people out of Egypt, but then he allowed them to what? Go their own direction and what took place? They ended up being destroyed, right? Why? Because they left the one who delivered them. Okay, so this is a danger even today. Yet Michael, watch this, yet Michael, the archangel, in connection, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring, a, uh, bring against him a reveling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Verse 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. So they take natural knowledge and they corrupt themselves. If you ever want to look up something interesting, look up corrupt themselves. And what it actually has to do with is a continual decay. Have you ever watched somebody that lives a very raucous, hard, carnal, fleshy, sinful life? It's like they age at a rate that normal people don't, that live a, a, just a basic, clean life. And so that's what happens. Corruption, it's actually almost like pollution. There's, a, there's an exceeding, a, a, there's a speeding up of, of decay in that person's natural being. 
Okay, because the wages of sin is he who sows to the flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. <laughs> You'll reap from it, okay? So you got to watch out for that. So I want to look at this because people have said, made this statement. They've stated, you know, well, uh, Michael didn't even speak to, you know, the devil. So I can't tell angels what to do. So I want to say this. I don't think we should look at it as telling angels what to do. I think we should look at it as functioning within the covenant, and they already have orders to function at the, at the command of the name of Jesus in connection to the covenant. Does that make sense? First of all, what do we know here in looking at this? Okay, I have a couple of thoughts. The first is this. This whole section isn't referring to believers. It's not. It's referring to those who have backslidden. They've walked away from God. Okay? So that's a, that's a connection right there. I know in Luke 10, the Lord told us to rebuke the devil, to tread on him, to, to have authority over him. I know he did. I know he told us in 1 Peter to submit to God and resist the devil. I know he told us the same thing in James. So we have to have some level of authority where we're speaking out of the covenant in the name of Jesus and there's a response in the spirit world. I don't think that means you say, hey, Bob the angel, go do this for me. Okay, now do angels have names? Probably, I've heard that before. But none of, the, I don't see where we're supposed to call out their name or anything like that. What I do see is that we're to function in fellowship with the Father within the covenant in the name of Jesus. And as we do, according to Jacob's ladder and the re reality of what takes place there, the angels respond out of that. Let God decide the number, how and what, and whose name he wants to call. Do you see what I'm saying? He's the commander of the, of the armies or the hosts of heaven. So my second thought here is this. Michael is an archangel, not a Christian. He doesn't, Michael doesn't run around going, in the name of Jesus, we do that. Michael functions in a different place. You're a child. He's a servant. Yeah. You are in a higher position. Now, I don't think you should arm wrestle Michael. But how many know this? Just because you have a higher position of authority, like, for instance, if I was, you know, a, a, a manager at a business and Rayson was a worker there, Rayson's going to beat me in arm wrestling all day long. But what do I hold that he doesn't? A position of authority higher. Does that make sense? It's just like the police. You may be stronger than a cop. You know, it's possible. <laughs> or, or a situation like that. But what does that cop have? Authority. They have authority, right? So Michael is not a Christian. He's a servant. He's a minister to God and not a son or a daughter. And what are ministering spirits sent forth to? Minister to who? Heirs of salvation. Okay? So they, 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 have, they have authority when we speak and when the Lord tells them to do things over the enemy. Now, and I'll wrap up with this. Uh, Brother Hagen. Uh, said this years ago, and this is a vision that he has, um, that he had, that he shared concerning finances. And he talked about in the vision the Lord shared with him concerning money, that he should command the enemy to let go of his money and send forth ministering spirits or angels to go forth and bring it in. Now, I can't give you a specific scripture that outlines that exact thing, but I think you can see 
from the context of scriptures that we're looking at, the principle isn't just about telling angels what to do. It's about functioning within the covenant. And then the Lord in the covenant, in our relationship together, has this host of heaven. And he says, go. And what does the devil have to do? He has to relinquish the body of Moses. He has to relinquish, this is just what we read. He has to relinquish the promise, the substance of the promise that you're believing for. Why? Because he is not in authority. We tread on him. Amen? So when you're praying for your, you know, uh, about business, when you're praying about all these things, when you're going through what you're going through, you're declaring the word of God, when you're speaking faith, when you're resisting fear, when you're moving forward and walking in love of God and walking in the character of God and believing God for protection in areas, realize what's taking place. And we'll look into it next week when we just look at the manifestations, which is a lot of fun too. But, but realize what's taking place. When your kids go to school, angels go to school. Come on, come on. You got to believe this. You got to believe, and, and people realize this. Don't just get afraid of the fact that there's perverts out there. Realize that the angel of the Lord can lean into somebody who's looking at a relative of yours and put the terror of God right on them. You know what the terror of God can do? The terror of God caused a group of enemies that were against Israel to turn on each other and kill each other. The terror of God can become so strong on an enemy, somebody who intends evil against you and yours, to the point that they won't even be able to sleep at night. Amen? People say, well, I thought God was love. He is. That's love. That's mercy for that person who's got all those thoughts in their head that they have not controlled. Because it will lead them to repentance. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth about angels. Lord, we are believing you together and, and knowing that as we are receiving this truth and this illumination concerning angels, Lord, that out of this, we are going to continue to see an increased activity of your angels working to advance the kingdom, not only in personal covenant, but in corporate as well. Lord, thank you for these ministering spirits, your angels. Thank you that they're doing what they're supposed to. Thank you, Father, that as we speak promises under the blood and in the covenant in the name of Jesus, that they are working on our behalf and ministering to us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 